it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. Sometimes we make decisions with our kids on how we think our kids are going to feel in the first 10 minutes versus thinking about 10 months or 10 years. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience that person. Yeah. Here are your hosts. David and Danita Bailey. Well, good evening and welcome to School Days Help for Moms and Dads of School Aged Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. So what do you want to be when you grow up? This is one of the first questions we're asked as kids that temporarily takes our minds off of Barbies and um, other things like trucks and stuff, but it dares us to dream of the possibilities of our grown up lives. Our guest today wrote a book to introduce kids to different careers and to help them to explore the possibilities. So Dave, actually, coincidentally, our nonprofit Noggin is having a career day today and on Thursday for 665 fifth and sixth grade students. So today was career day. Well, how'd it go? All around. It went really well. I think the kids were really engaged and... The speakers were interesting. And what, what's cool about a virtual career day is that we got to like, for instance, the judge that was one of our presenters, he, he was actually presenting inside of his courtroom oh. at his bench. He turned his camera around so that we could see where the jury sits and where the, where the person sits that's um, under question. And it wasn't a real trial going on, was it? <laughs> no, there was not a real trial oh, that's going good. on. Yeah, yeah that went, might have been a weird. Yes. But first of all, though, I, I do want to say happy Teacher Appreciation Day. It's just one day? We only get a day? It's a week, but today's the actual day. Oh, yeah. Did you feel appreciated today? Well, they've been feeding us, so that's that's good. Did, did your students appreciate you? Well, they were state testing today, so no, they so didn't no, appreciate they did me. No, they did not appreciate no. you. No, and it was my test today, so. Oh, the good. algebra test? Yes, the algebra one test today. Ah, so. okay. Yeah. Well, that means you got to kind of chill a little bit. Uh, it's a little unusual. Yeah, well, I mean, a little bit. It, well, one one thing that was good is I got to see all my students who have been virtual all year long, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen them physically at all until today. So that was that was pretty cool. That's uh, cool. Yeah. So got to see three D people. Yes, but actually, well, kind of a side note to this is now that we're done with the quote unquote testing part, I can go on to do what I really really want to do mm-hmm. <laughs> and explore like you know. T- careers you know and tying it into mathematics and stuff like that so i'm i like to oh, that's cool. take that last month to kind of just be free to do what i really want you should do. have a career day um we, we a virtual career day we, we might be able to yes yeah, we'll talk about that so, have your people call my people oh you are my people okay whatever and you're there yeah, anyway yes sure <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up uh i wanted to be a pilot and so uh, i was on the path to go there um, to the point where I got accepted, you know, some of you already know, to the U.S. Air Force Academy. And then 12th grade year, I found that I was blind nice. as a bat, needed glasses, and they said, you can't be a pilot. Because <laughs> they frown upon not seeing in the air. Yeah. this I could be a navigator, but, you know, I didn't, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm glad I didn't. The plan. Yeah. We never would have met. I would have been flying for the Air Force or something like fighter jets or something and navigating or something. That would have been exciting. Yeah. But then you would have been, you know, sad and lonely. So it isn't a good <laughs> I was thing. I going to say the same thing about you. You yeah. would have been lonely. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, um, but yeah, but everything that I was doing in that time of school was to prepare me for that. And, uh, you know, I got to my goal of, you know, getting to the school to get there. But, you know, then life, life happens, things change and you have to adjust. What about you? What did you want to be when you grew up? I what? wanted to be. So I was born in 1975. So I wanted to be the, hey, I wanted to be the next Donna Summer. Did you ever tell me that? Seriously? I just sprung something on you you didn't know? Donna Summer? Yes. Like bad girls Donna Summer? Yeah, bad girl. See, I could have totally been her. Talking about the sad girl. Yeah. Wow. I never knew that. Like up on stage and. I can't believe I never told you that. No, never. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, I became more than 
three years old or five years old. <laughs> oh, he's kind of grew out of it. And realized that was not a thing. Yeah, he's kind of grew out of it. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and, and, you know, disco ended. So there was that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we're not here to discover how your dreams faded away. Let's find out how <laughs> to help other young parents help their, you know, fulfill their dreams for their you know, help kids fulfill their dreams. So let's go. Okay. Well, before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends, Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in and add the hashtag school dazed show or hashtag I am school dazed. And um, let your parent knows your parent friends know, uh, parent friends know about uh, a podcast that you love to listen to. Um, so today we welcome Holly Sharp. She is the author of Dream It, Do It, 100 Possibilities and Real Life Role Models. So welcome to School Days, Holly. Hi, you guys. Thanks for having me. Sure. And you've also signed up for one of our career days. I have on Thursday. I will be the author on your career day. Yes, we're so excited about that. Holly, what did you want to be when you were a child growing up? I actually wanted to be in advertising to the point where my, when I was young, I would sit and watch Sesame Street and that when the commercials would come on, I would be fixated. And then as soon as the Sesame Street characters would reappear, I'd go back to playing. And my mother, what? this is the weirdest child Wow. Ever. But I, I got a degree and I knew from, I can't remember a time where I didn't think I was going to be in advertising. Uh, which is a very weird thing to say when you're in elementary school. Yeah, like, who, who, who says that? Like, I want to go into advertising. Right, I'm going to be an ad exec yeah. <laughs> in kindergarten. That was me. That was me. I was going to rule the advertising world, move to New York, take over. That was my dream. And that just came from watching commercials? Is that from what PBS yeah, commercials? I love, yeah, there was something about the storytelling and the ability to like get people to think a certain way and how you had a very limited amount of time to do it. Yeah, I, I I still actually really love advertising, but my a, a couple of recessions and a few uh, side steps later, now I'm a children's book author. Yes, I, I also was in advertising. I do love the art of advertising because it's very it's a lot of psychology yes. and being able to get in people's brains and change their behavior. It is very cool. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got from, you know, watching PBS commercials and <laughs> or commercials during PBS and in your um, in the advertising field. And then to now you you are an author of a book. So I did spend most of my career in advertising and marketing. And the last 10 years of that was really on the product development side. So I worked for companies that made air fresheners and cleaning products. Um, I worked on Raid for a while, so I've actually like held the world's largest cockroach in my hand. No. Uh, I, oh. Yeah. How big is that? <laughs> is it like palm sized? It's crazy. It is insane. Yeah, it's probably bigger than palm sized. Oh. 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 What country was that? It was an African cockroach. Okay. That's awful. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> and so I, I invented ice cream flavors, so all sorts of- Like what? Um, I worked on the Blue Bunny brand for a while. So all of their new loaded products I was a part of. Um, I developed a Cheesecake Factory ice cream, which is the best thing you will ever eat. It is so good. Yes. Well, I've, I've had some. That's, that's my favorite restaurant. And so I've had the ice cream when I saw it hit the shelves. And so... Um, Just say thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for are the you, So are you, a, are you a plain Cheesecake mm -mm. ice cream? I'm a key lime. Yep. Oh, I'm a key lime too. What? I will tell you that was all me. Like, there was so oh. many people that voted against key lime. I'm like, you can't have cheesecake ice cream and not have a key lime. You so wait, hold on, wait, wait. Yes. We're, we're having a moment just, here. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. We're gonna have to just pop. So, so you are the reason why I'm eating my cheesecake factory key lime ice cream today. That's correct. A real life celebrity. I just need a moment. Just three seconds. Just three seconds. Just <laughs> I'm so happy. You, you're making me so happy right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Okay. All right. We're back. How often do you get a chance to meet somebody who has developed your dream? My dream ice cream. Yes. Dream ice cream. Yes. It really, it really is spectacular. I'll, I'll give it to you for sure. Yes. So yeah. You know what? I, go ahead yeah. and brag. Go ahead and brag because that's, that's like brag worthy right there. Yes. <laughs> it's probably my favorite product I ever made. So I'm not going to lie. 
um, definitely a shout out to Cheesecake Factory Ice Cream. Cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I spent most of the last decade doing that and then found myself with a brand new baby sitting home unemployed in COVID and kind of forced to ask myself, like, who do I want to be next? What, who am I as a new mom? What does the world need? And because I had spent my career kind of trying to figure out what problems people have and how to solve them, um, I kind of stumbled upon an insight that I couldn't quite let go. I was getting ready for a baby shower. And I don't know if you guys have been to many baby showers recently, but they started doing this new thing where you can, instead of asking for cards, or the host says, instead of bringing a card, bring a book and inscribe something in the cover for the unborn baby. And later when you're reading it, it's, it's really lovely. Well, so I decided to put on my registry different books that I was interested in because I've always loved reading. You can see behind me, like this is only half of our, our book collection. Well, I guess your listeners can't see, but <laughs> you can. <laughs> I, I, uh, we absolutely love books in this house. And I was like, oh, I really want to get some really good career books to try to teach my future daughter about all the things that she can be beyond you know, what she's probably going to learn about through just everyday exposure. And I searched high and couldn't find it. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to be home for at least another year while COVID sorts itself out. I have this new baby that, you know, one arm can be holding her and the other arm can be writing. I'm going to write the book that, that I can't seem to find. And so I spent the first year of her life basically reading when she was awake and writing when she was asleep. And a hundred stories later, I have definitely, you know, I'm more proud of this book than I am of the Cheesecake Factory ice cream. I'm oh. sorry to say. Wow. But um, I really do believe that this is something that is missing and that kids really need as a way to gain exposure to role models and an understanding of kind of what are modern day people doing for a living. Yeah. What a wonderful tribute to your daughter. I hope she thinks so too. Yeah. Well, she might not immediately. <laughs> I have an eight-year-old, so, you know, at some point they stop thinking you're cool, but then we come right back around. <laughs> yeah, it might be wave two where she has some appreciation. I think, I feel like wave one, I'm going to be that mom that's like, there's a hundred things you can be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, so, uh, speaking of that, you have a hundred things. So that's a lot of, of different careers that you had to research and write about. How did you decide who and what was going to be in the book? So I actually started with the people. So it was really, really important to me that this was a diverse book. So I wanted boys and girls of all races and religions to see themselves in the pages of this book. So I literally just started researching people who had written books about themselves because I wanted the stories to come through in their own words. So I didn't want it to be you know, based on articles or based on a secondary reporting. I really wanted it to be their story that they told about themselves. So uh, I spent a lot of time with uh, a newborn at our library, just reading piles of books and, and finding all of the people. And then kind of once I settled on whose story I wanted to tell, then I started figuring out like, okay, how do these come into some sort of logical order? How do I, what do they have in common with each other? What do they not have in common with each other? And really the the hundred stories came out of finding the people. Mm-hmm. Why did you think it was important for it to be diverse? Um, just a, a thought in my head is that, you know, what one of the things we, we do with the summer program for Noggin is we do the career day, but because we serve black and brown kids almost exclusively, we choose people with careers that are um, black and Hispanic. And we do that because we want them to be able to see themselves in these people. So what were, what were kind of your thoughts in making it diverse? Was it similar to that or? I mean, it's exactly that, right? Especially because I do think it's difficult for people of color to see themselves in leadership roles. So for example, the CEO in my book is Ursula Burns and she is the um, CEO of um, Xerox. And she had a really cool story about how she, you know, stood up for herself in a meeting that was talking about diversity and it actually made her stick out as a leader within the organization. And so I think it's important for everyone to see themselves um, in future leaders of people who 
started with almost nothing and persevered to be the people that they are today. And, you know, I think that there's a huge opportunity to help children figure out who they're going to be. But on top of that, to help them see that it's not just certain people that have those opportunities, that it really is everyone. And I hope that the stories in my book not only introduce the idea of careers, but also show kids that almost no one in my book was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Mm. I would say almost exclusively, there are people who are just like you and me, and then either wanted it bad enough or, um, you know, figured out what they were really, really good at and practiced that skill and became the, the, the person in my book that they are today. But, um, I, you know, I really stress that point of where they started as kids and what their journey was like versus just explaining the job. Yeah, that's so good. So why is it important for parents to get involved in helping their kids explore their careers versus just, you know, just compared to, you know, there are school counselors for that in high school. So why is it important for parents to get involved? So there's two reasons. And the first relates a little bit more to what I'm kind of up to, but I will also kind of talk to the older kids as well. So I, I personally am motivated or um, you know, my goal is to help introduce career choices to elementary school kids. And so at the elementary school level, there really aren't school counselors available for kids to go in and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about being a pilot. Let's talk about it. Or, you know, hey, I'm thinking about going into advertising. By the way, when you graduate with advertising, you could actually I, um, qualify for welfare out of a four-year degree in you know, that particular field. No one, like I wasn't, no one was having those conversations with me when I was younger, mm. um, especially at the elementary age. And what I think is really, really, really important and why I do think it's important for parents to get involved is because we ask kids, every single kid, I guarantee every single kid on this planet has been asked the question, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Um, I mean, the fact that we had that conversation when you know, we first got started, it's a, such a common thing that we ask, but then we don't really give kids the resources to really answer it. And they come up with the answer that either they saw in a cartoon, they were exposed to their parents, they learned about maybe one of the 20 careers that you can buy uh, books on Amazon about. Mm-hmm. So I think that you know kids don't really have the exposure to answer that question, but we're constantly asking them that. Mm -hmm. And there is this weird thing that happens where as kids age and we've given that positive reinforcement where um, I think the pilot's such a great example. My niece wants to be a pilot and she had her first plane ride the other day. And so we bought her a, a pilot's cap and she actually got to meet the pilot on the plane because she was clearly so excited about being a pilot. Well, you know, to a degree, I worry that if she changes her mind, will she feel like she's going to disappoint us because we're so excited about mm. her journey to becoming a pilot. So I think you know, not only are kids making these, this decision at a young age, but as grownups, we're actually reinforcing them to stick with that choice because we love the conversation around this question because we think it's cute. Mm. Um, where I personally believe that you know, I love the idea of asking kids this question at that age, but let's give them the tools and resources to answer it with some knowledge about what's available. You know, I, I just want to make a side note, and, and also just it's important that they have the, um, as they're going along, the academic foundation so that when it's time to make the decisions as to where they want to go, that they're actually qualified for it. Um, I know I have a big emphasis on uh, girls and mathematics. I really push, because I'm in the middle school age, and we typically lose girls and mathematics between fifth and eighth grade. And so many, I've heard many, many uh, adults, um, women say how they were discouraged and, you know, just how the the male environment kind of poo-pooed on them, you know, really soaring. And so I really make an emphasis to really encourage my girls. Um, I have some great young ladies that are strong in math. So if they want to be a biomedical engineer or they want to go into, you know, economics or statistics or whatever it is, that they're getting that academic foundation that they need early so they're not already disqualified before they even get a chance to even get into the fields. Mm-hmm. Well, you made my second point almost better than I could have made it. So thank you very <laughs> much. I think, I think that's such an important point that 
you know, if you understand early that you want to be a pilot, well, there, there's math that you're going to need to do that. And we can encourage kids to say, you know, math and science aren't this scary thing. It's this really cool tool that you need in your tool belt if you want to be a pilot or all of those other examples that you gave. I think that you put that really well. How much steering should we be doing as parents? Because I know, and, and specifically even in certain cultures, sometimes parents are steering towards a doctor or the sciences. And, you know, it's kind of like, this is a family business, or this is what all of you, we're, we're all educators or something. Yeah. But, you know, just because everybody's been an educator doesn't mean I want to be a teacher, I want to be a chef. <laughs> right, so right. how how can we kind of allow our kids to be open to the possibilities and how much steering should we be doing? The parents and teachers that I coach on this topic, the very first thing that I encourage them to do is to really evaluate the personality of their child. So you may have a mom, a dad, a grandma, and grandpa who are all doctors and a child who just has an artistic personality and they are more likely to be happy, satisfied, and successful doing the thing that matches who they are. So, you know, I obviously encourage, you know, parents to be involved and to want them, because at the end of the day, like parents want their kids to be a doctor because they think doctor equals successful, right? Right. And the argument that I would make is that you are more likely to be successful doing something that you are good at and you're inclined to like doing. Mm -hmm. And um, I've spent quite a bit of time translating research that is used by career placement companies into, um, ch into basically like how children can develop those same personalities at a young age. And I bet, you know, you probably know a ton of fourth and fifth graders, sixth graders, by that age, you have a good sense of what they're into and what they're not into, what they have a tendency towards doing with their free time. And using that information, parents and teachers can begin to understand kids' career personalities. And I think that's where they can really be involved. And then in the next stages is when they get to start spreading their wings. So if you know that your child, say, has a, a pioneering personality, which is, is one of the career personalities, you can then help coach them towards different careers that fall into that bucket without necessarily being overbearing and saying, you know, you will be a doctor, you will be a CEO. You can give them a way, a path forward without necessarily dictating what they should become. You know, I, I was watching something the other day, a show where this adult was talking to a child and he said, you can be whatever you want to be. And that it's not that I haven't ever heard that before, but for some reason, as a 45 year old, that fell on me in a certain way where I thought, what an amazing statement that is that. And and again, that, you know, that's probably more American than anything else. You know, there's <laughs> <laughs> that's not necessarily the case everywhere in the world. But for sure, there's a lot of people in the U.S. that really the world is your oyster, like whatever you want to do, you can do. I just thought that was fascinating. I think it's one of the reasons that when I was looking at books for my unborn baby, I was actually thinking so much about careers because it's that moment where it's the most true, Right. When you're holding that little thing in your arms, yeah. it is the most true at that moment that she could be anything she wants to be. And truly, even as you know, she's a little over a year right now, I already feel like there's things I, I feel like she'd be inclined to be good at. And she has a one-year-old's personality. <laughs> um, obviously, I spend a lot of hours thinking about this topic, but <laughs> um, I, I think it's why parents love to think and talk about this because we do have this sense that our children can be anything. Yeah. And what I'm trying to encourage parents to do is to figure out, okay, of that everything, how do we help children figure out how to narrow down into a smaller set of decisions so that to your point, they can get the right educational foundation. They can get involved in activities that they may excel in um, and, and start to declare the answer to what do I want to be when I grow up in a way that's really meaningful. 
And, you know, I think as adults, we lose slowly, the, or as humans, we slowly lose the wonder of that question, and we kind of mm-hmm. cast ourselves in a path. That was why that was so interesting to me, because you kind of just, at some point, you're like, okay, well, I'm this type of person, or this is what kind of what is, is expected of me, or this is what's going to help me to make a living, or something like that. This new generation of kids, they are way less concerned about money than our generation and the generations prior to us they really are really wanting quality of life and a purpose so i think that that's that's a huge shift that's so important that people are really wanting to like just be happy just like what you were saying yeah so one of the side questions i'm thinking about as we're talking about this is what are some potential pitfalls that parents could have in becoming dream killers (laughs) Um, to like, so we, we all have a, a mindset of life and how life is and how life is supposed to be, no matter you know, where you are socioeconomically. Um, what are some potential pitfalls that you may see that parents may, you know, advertently or inadvertently um, pass on to their kids that may discourage them from pursuing those um, paths that maybe be different from what they've done or maybe even beyond what they have achieved. So I wonder if this makes me somewhat a part of the generation we were just talking about, but (laughs) um, one of the things I think is this under or this belief in who makes money and who doesn't make money. Mm. So if I reflect even upon my own life, um, I really wanted to go to art school and study advertising there and maybe go the direction of the creative, being the creator of the ads. And my art teacher was like, I don't, I don't know if you're quite good enough for that. Maybe it's better for you to go to business school and go into the business side of advertising. Mm. And I, I think my parents were relieved by that to a degree because there's this, un, this thought that artists don't make money. Like there's the phrase literally starving artists. Starving artist. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I think that parents have this belief, especially when you're generation or two removed from your child of who makes the money and who doesn't. So for your example of doctors, I feel like it's less that your your parents really want you to be a doctor, but more that it has a status associated with it that parents believe that, well, if you're a doctor, then you'll have a stable life and you'll be happy and you will not need the money. And I think one of the things that writing this book helped me realize is that if you are good at something and you love it and you find the right way to bring it to the world, you can be an artist and you can make money. Mm-hmm. You can you know, be an entrepreneur and make money. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably the biggest trap I think parents fall into is thinking that there's, you know, of the hundred, let's say, careers that I studied that maybe 30 of them are worthy of, you know, doing because of money and the other 70, I wouldn't want my kid to be a policeman because it's dangerous and, and you don't make very good money. And I, I do actually think in this digital world that there's a lot of different ways to bring your passion to life. Um, I write about the gentleman who created the Khan Academy in my book as the example of someone who loved teaching and found a different way to bring his love of teaching into the world. And I assure you that uh, he's got a couple pennies to rub together. (laughs) 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 So let's jump into, you talked about um, identifying your child's personality, career personality. So I know you have a three-step system. Tell us a little bit about that. And you kind of briefly said the career bucket. So tell us all about how we can do this. Sure. So the career curriculum that I developed is... Uh, three steps. It's evaluation, exposure, and execution. So we talked a little bit about the evaluation portion of it. And there's a free quiz on my website that parents can take. You also can use, um, simply just use the research done by John Holland, which is the core of the evaluation step. And it basically says that there's six personality types and most most people have a major personality and a minor personality. And I think that it's really helpful to start this process, whether it's at home with your child or in a classroom with kids and understand what's my major and minor personality. And then doing that not only kind of helps parents understand 
how to best help their kids, but it also helps kids feel invested in learning about careers and opportunities. So if I told you that you were an artistic pioneer, and then I said, here are 15 different, you know, artistic pioneers to go learn about, you feel like you are, or have a kindred spirit with, with the, the person that you're learning about. So I think it's a really great way to start on the journey. And then the next step is exposure. And I think that you know, after the child, parent, teacher understands the personality type, then exposing them to lots of different role models. And I think that the best way to do that is to either find literature or um, I think there's a lot of actually really great kid appropriate TED talks or documentaries, mm -hmm. but just finding people that kids can look up to. There's a, a great junior achievement study that basically showed that kids were far more likely to take a career um, possibility seriously if it was based on a real person. So kind of similar to the idea of superheroes, right? The kids love the idea of looking up to someone. So the way it's the careers are currently taught, which is basically, you know, here's a farmer, here's a nurse, here's, and here's what they do. You kind of, after the day is over, the book gets shut and can, kids kind of move on with their lives. So I think similar to the virtual career day that you're putting on this week, when you can put a real person in the, the, the job and make them um, you know, tell their story and what they do, I think kids take it a lot more seriously. Mm -hmm. um, so my hope is that once kids understand, okay, here's a personality type I have. Now next, here's the role models that I can learn about and look up to. And then finally, um, execution. And this is where um, you know, I think parents can really be involved in terms of picking out the activities for their kids. So going beyond just learning about what these people do, but actually taking a next step and saying, okay, if I'm interested in graphic design, what are some art classes that I could take? Or how can I get involved with more art curriculum at my school and figuring out how to really take action on the things that you're interested in based on a lot of this learning that's done in step one and two. Mm -hmm. What are the five career buckets? So sorry about that, I didn't mention that. That's so okay. my the, the book I broke down into artistic careers, helpers, product developers, business, and discovery. So as you're reading the book, I've broken them down into kind of logical groupings, but then each person also has a personality type that's attached to their story. So as kids figure out who they are in terms of their interests and their personality type, they can then go and find people in the book that are, have similar personalities and they can see which of those kind of career paths, whether it's you know, service, which I call helpers or business, those people fall into. Name a, a couple or one from each of these, um, these categories. Can you do that? Sure. So um, within the discovery bucket, um, probably my favorite story is a woman who uses snake venom to help cure cancer. Oh, wow. And so she's the chemist in my book. And what I love about this story is that chemistry is kind of a foreign topic and a, frankly, kind of a difficult concept for people to understand. And I like that it takes the idea and breaks it down into a very simple story. And I mean, frankly, what kid doesn't like kid venom or doesn't <laughs> like to talk about snakes and venom. And I think it takes something that kids like and applies it to a topic that's difficult to understand. Um, from a business standpoint, uh, I really, I think we talked earlier about um, Ursula. The other one that I like is there's a woman in there that is the um, logistics manager for UPS. And Ooh. I have never <laughs> in the, the time I've been doing this ever heard a kid say, I want to be a logistics manager. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what I love about the story is that she is, um, uses her role within UPS to campaign for curing world hunger through logistics. So the argument she makes is that the world actually has enough food. The problem is we can't get the food to where it's needed. Mm -hmm. And so wow. she is using logistics as a way to solve world hunger. All of a sudden, logistics sounds like a way cooler job to do. And frankly, mm -hmm. 
solving world hunger doesn't sound like a, a bad day at work. Um, so I, th- right. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a, a really neat story that takes something that might sound like a boring job. Um, and my husband laughs when I give this example, because this is actually what he does for a living. Huh. Um, <laughs> if, you know, if you can, um, get kids interested in, in doing something because it has a greater good or, you know, make it interesting. Um, I think I love that story for that reason. Does it make um, me weird that I thought that logistics for UPS was really exciting <laughs> before you mentioned <laughs> world hunger? <laughs> Cause I thought, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Getting boxes all over the world. That would take a lot of logistics. <laughs> that says a lot about my. <laughs> yeah, it does. I'm, I'm, I'm the end. I'm going to try to diagnose your personality. Type. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> You know, I, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, good, good. Please. Oh, I was just thinking. I was thinking about that old monster commercial where the kid said, "I want to be a middle manager." <laughs> you remember that commercial? I want yeah. to get a job where no one appreciates my worth. You know, and and oh, is that the monster.com? Yeah, and so you know, but there there are so many you know past the things that no one's ever even considered before. Or what even takes it, or what even takes to get there? So I'm just, I was just kind of thinking about that. I just thought back to that commercial real quick. Mm-hmm. I, it's actually, I love that example. I'm, I was just taking a note of it because I, I think that's really neat. I thought she was gonna go. Yeah, I actually, I wrote that commercial or something. Holly, <laughs> 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 you're amazing. <laughs> okay, the helping bucket. Okay, so from a helper standpoint, the um, there's a story in there, and I keep giving women examples, so um, maybe it's because I am one, but the there are stories in there for boys, but within the helper bucket, I really like the story about the two women firefighters um, in New York that were the very first women to become firefighters, and oh, wow. I think when we tend to talk about service careers, especially like firemen and policemen, things like that, we tend to automatically picture a man. And I think a boy is far more likely to want to be those things than a girl. So I I love this story because there's a couple examples of this in the book, but it takes kind of a person who's typically one sex and tells the story of the other sex doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in, in my book, I also include the example of a makeup artist being a boy, that you don't have to be a girl to like makeup and you don't have to be a boy to be a policeman or a fireman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we miss With, the bucket? Product, product development. Product development. The story that I really like here, and, and I kind of stretch the definition of product development in terms of the way that, that you might typically think about like, oh, I made a pencil or I made a, a widget. Um, basically anything that you can create in the 3D form. So the story that I is really interesting to me and I, I had opportunity to interview this guy and it was fantastic, um, but he is an engineer who creates all of the roller coasters for Six Flags. And when we were talking earlier about getting kids excited about STEM and math, and I think you know, I really like this story because it shows that there's a cool way to apply math. And frankly, the idea of designing and building roller coasters as a grown up, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. You know, actually, I don't know if you ever knew this, babe, but that was another career that I thought that I would love is roller coaster design. design no, literally um, designing roller coasters. I don't think I ever told you this before. No, that's uh, new. Because it's applying math. I'm a math person in physics. And all that together to create cool rides and gravity and, you know, define things. And yeah, that's another thing that I would have loved to, to do. I think you should go back to school and do that. That sounds really cool. Hey, will you uh, fund me while I go back to school full time? <laughs> that might be hard. Yeah, you did it once. You can do it again, though. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. No, that's, that's really, really awesome. And then the last bucket is artistic. And what I was really trying hard to do is include stories that made sure it was clear that you can make a good living even if you want to do an artistic career. So yes, I did include the, um, you know, a singer and a, a TV actress, but I also included a journalist. And the journalist that I chose um, really, I think, kind of represents what the next generation of journalists will look like. And she does all of her reporting in virtual reality. So the story includes how she witnessed something, um, uh, a a homeless uh, 
um, shelter in her neighborhood or that she was reporting on was constantly running out of food and people were going hungry. And she would tell this story in print and people just didn't seem to care. Mm. And so she created this virtual reality news story and it was a massive hit because you were experiencing like someone in line that was fainting out of hunger and you were experiencing the ambulance being called and you were experiencing what it felt like to be there and have to tell hungry people oh, wow. that there was no more food. And wow. so I think that, you know, helping kids see that it's not just a matter of being a newspaper reporter, but that there is a future in news for our country and what it might look like. And so I really love that story because I think it takes something that you or I, when we think journalists, think of it one way, but I think for you know kids 15 years from now, it will look like it does for this woman. Wow. I love that. And I love that your book um, is so diverse and that you wanted people to, you know, see different people doing different things. How do you encourage your child to pursue career paths when they don't see people that look like them or come from their backgrounds, be that ethnic or gender or, or whatever? My advice is to not accept that there is nothing out there. So whether it's my book or I think Rebel Girls does a really nice job of creating um, diverse stories or TED Talks, but keep looking. I know when I was researching to do this book, frankly, like white men love to write stories about themselves. It is out there for sure. (laughs) But if you hunt hard enough, it's out there. There are stories about diverse people doing wonderful things. And I think they're worthy of being held up and, and shared with your child. And I hope that hearing this might encourage someone else to write books that show lots of different types of people and doing different types of amazing things. Um, I hope that this isn't my last book. I'm working on my next one and I, I hope to bring just as much diversity to this one. Um, but I, I just encourage parents to, to not accept that the top 100 books on Amazon are mm. the only books that exist and that there are a lot of self-published authors like myself that have written diverse books that can encourage your kid to, to see themselves in, in different role models. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, is there such a thing as a wrong career path? I, I, so what I do know is that two thirds of people regret their college choice and just about as many wish that they were doing something different than they were doing today. Mm. And so with those statistics, I do just feel like not only do, does something have to change, but there probably is a, a wrong career choice or at least a, a a way that you can be less happy than you're capable of. And so with statistics like those, my goal is to help talk to kids at an earlier age and steer them towards a path that they're most likely to be a good fit for so that our children are more likely to be happy with the choice that they make or at least know how to pivot well because they understand their personality to say, okay, you know, because I'm artistic, I worked in innovation for 10 years, but I can go be a children's book author and be good at that too. And I hope that the next generation can find that flexibility and that happiness um, more than I think our generation has. You know, it's an interesting question because I really feel like, so my first out of college job was a production assistant on, you know, local and regional and sometimes national commercials. Right. And then I worked at an advertising agency um, as an account person. And then I had a video production company. And I would say that working at the advertising agency so prepared me for the things that I'm doing now. Now I'm running a nonprofit, totally different thing. But, you know, I have to write copy and I have to, you know, think of my readers or my, you know, viewers and things like that and think in a way that's going to um, be attractive to them so that they'll want to listen or, or donate or whatever it is. And if I had not had that background, I don't think that I would be as good at what I do as I am. Do you feel that way about yourself as well? And, and I guess that the reason why I, I asked that or I wanted that question in there is because I feel like, 
that maybe that there is a journey that we're supposed to be on that even though we we are in something initially that we don't love it might be a good thing that that, that we're there and i i think that if you are in tune with that that you can pivot and you can continue to collect those experiences and be even better at the next thing because of it and i think the thing that i'm just trying very hard to encourage teachers and parents and kids to do is to take that first step to get to know yourself. Yeah. And I really think that it has value, not just for elementary school kids, but I mean, the fact that this research is used in career placement agencies for adults, it has value, I think, from a young age until through the end of your career. Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking to somebody today who was saying that as a result of um, COVID, he thought that his business was going to go under. And I said, you know what? what would you have done if it had? Like the world is your oyster. What would you have done? And he was like, I don't know. So I think that there's so much value even for us as adults in career exploration because I think we we kind of, like I was saying, get ourselves on a path and we think that that's all there is. Right. And the key, I think, is being able to do what you said, which is pivot and say, you know, I'm not where I want to be or, you know, for some reason I lost a job or whatever and I can do something different, even completely different if I yeah, so want and, to. And sometimes I don't even look at it as um, you know, having to make, I know for some people it's making a conscious effort to like, I'm not happy. What can I do to make myself happy? But in some cases, I actually think of it as jumping where like, I had really no intention of becoming a children's book author, but saw this wonderful opportunity that I believed there was room in the world for me to, to become an author and decided just to jump it. I could have gone back to inventing products. I really love doing that. Um, <laughs> and you're good at so, it. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so I do, I do hope that, you know, if there are, it might not even be a matter of being unhappy, but just being open to an experience if it presents itself to you. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was uh, in graduate school, um, I was tutoring mathematics for very, 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 very wealthy families. And uh, I was talking with one of them and um, you know, his circle of friends are you know, multimillionaires. And, and uh, I asked him about, about, you know, what they do and like, their job satisfaction. And it was interesting. He said that most of his friends, they're bringing in the dough, but they're miserable and they hate what they do which I thought was interesting. And, and, and they're stuck because they've already built a lifestyle that's contingent upon the money that they're bringing in. So it's right. very hard for them to say, okay, I'm going to go be, I don't know, a teacher or yeah. a circus clown or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if <laughs> a circus clown per se, but <laughs> that could be very fulfilling. It, it, you don't it, know. It could be, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> but you no, know, some people really love that. But uh, another thing I know that like for me from the, the academic standpoint is, I told my students, I said, look, you may not know what you're going to be, right? But there are certain but there are certain skill sets that you can be developing right now. I said, you know, I don't really care as much. I mean, some things you really need to know to go into, into a particular career path. But um, everyone needs to know how to prioritize and make good, wise decisions. Everyone needs to know how to, to organize. Everyone needs to know how to, um, you know, uh, perseverance and grit. Um, learning from failure, um, learning how to pick yourself back up again and, and move on, learning how to you know strive to be your best and don't sell for anything less. Well, that rhymed. I wasn't even trying to rhyme that, but it kind of <laughs> you just named five of our episodes from the past. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and so and because I said, look, you may not know. Some people say, I know I want to be this, and I'm and great. But you know, but even if you don't, there are still things that you can develop along the way. Um, what would you do or how would you encourage parents to encourage their children to develop these, these soft skills, um, that are critical, no matter what path, no matter what career path they go into, how would you encourage them to, to develop those types of skills? That's a really, honestly, fantastic question. Um, you know, when I think about Acti my mind kind of goes to activities and where we can learn those if we're not learning in school. So like team sports or junior achievement yes. or 
places that instill those types of values and skills into children. Um, I'm a, obviously a huge fan of being thoughtful about what activities you put your kids in, because I do think there's such thing as too many, but I also hope parents are putting their kids into the things that both the kid and the parent will get the most out of. Um, and I think that that's probably where I would say it's, at least I felt like I developed some of those skills was through the extracurricular activities that I did. And um, I think it's a, a part of the process of figuring out who you are. Um, there's another question that I'm thinking about um, here. There's a, a, I don't know if you want to call it a debate, but just a, a big discussions about, well, you know, they need to take out blah, blah, blah from school and need to teach them how to, you know, balance a checkbook and how to invest in, in all these different types of things, um, these life skills. What do you see, in your opinion, as the role of educational institutions in preparing them for career paths versus just uh, or or comparing them or how can I say this, helping them to just prepare academically, you know, with content um, to be ready to move on to different types of fields. Do you think it's more so this is more of a parental thing? Um, do you feel like schools are not doing enough um, to help encourage and foster that? And what, what, what's your take on that? I stand very firmly in the opinion that schools are not doing nearly enough to educate kids about career choices. I think it's one of the most important decisions that you make before the age of 18. And I, if I, I took a class on dodgeball I probably could have used a club class. In college, you paid for a dodgeball class? No, no, no. It was in high school. Okay. <laughs> but but how better served would I have been if that class would have taught me something about my career options? And oh, by the way, if you want to go into advertising, here's the pros and cons of that particular field. Uh, I don't think we're doing enough at any level, whether it's elementary, junior high, or high school. Um, I happen to be campaigning mostly for elementary school kids because I think that that's where the conversation starts mm -hmm. and there just simply aren't resources yet we're asking that what do you want to be question but I firmly believe that this shouldn't be something that teachers decide to teach at the end of the school year or that, that teachers put a day aside or even a week aside I think it's something that should be thought of just like math just like science just like art that there should be curriculum put aside and the teachers made to feel as though they're encouraged to teach it instead of it being an afterthought to teach. Because I truly can't think of a decision before 18 that's more important than what you want to do after high school graduation. Yeah. I just found out that, uh, I mean, you teach middle school, so I don't know how I didn't know this, but our middle school child is going to have to choose a path next year a career path that he's going to kind of steer himself towards in high school. And um, I feel like, the, you know, this could be a kind of a, a stressful maybe moment for some parents. Absolutely. And, you know, what would you say to parents who are stressing about their teens and young adults making the right decisions uh, about career paths? So I'm going to say something soapboxy and then I'll give a, a, a more legit answer. Uh, my soapbox answer is that um, it's tough in my mind for schools to ask that of kids when we've done so little to prepare them to answer that question. Mm. So the That's first thing so I would good. say is I don't care that schools are, are doing this. And in some ways, I think that it helps, especially kids that are thinking about going to a trade school or something like that. I think it's great for those kids. What I do think is difficult is what, what has your kid or what has your child been given up until this point to really help them make up their mind or what you know, resources have they been giving in terms of understanding what they're good at, what's available. And that's really the soapbox answer I would have is, I would love to see more elementary, early junior high school dedication to this topic so that when asked in eighth grade, which course, which path do you wanna go down that as a parent, you can feel better about that choice because you've been on that journey with them through the different you know, steps that kids can take to answer that question. Now on a more realistic um, answer, honestly, I, I do feel like 
the same answer I would give to an adult, I would give to a kid. So if, if you told me that you had a friend that was struggling, that, you know, that was, had to figure out what they wanted to do with them, their life, I would say, go get a career coach. And that career coach can help you understand what parts of your personality um, you should be taking advantage of. Uh, I was actually just talking to a woman who helps millennials figure out how to pivot when they feel stuck. And the case she made is, you know, executives hire career coaches, yet the point in, the, in our life where we probably need a career coach the most is in college or right after graduation, where, you know, we tend to think of career coaches as being something that is reserved for the elite, where I think career coaches are best served at the opposite end yeah. of that spectrum. So I personally think that a career coach, pay for an hour, find one, uh, you know, whether it's online or in your community, but pay for an hour with a career coach and sit down with your child and really have a meaningful uh, conversation about you know, what are you good at? If, if you're interested in these things, what are the opportunities at the other end of the rainbow? Um, and, and help your kid early on have a, an adult conversation about the choice that they're about to make. That is such good advice. And, you know, when I was a freshman, I had decided that I wanted to major in international business. I don't even know what that is. I know I didn't know that, what that was when I was 17, when I was a freshman in college, but it, I just, it sounded like something that would make me a lot of money. And then, you know, something happened and I, you know, got some sense and decided I wanted to go into something artsy, which is what I love the most. Even now as a, a executive director of a nonprofit, the things that I love doing the most are graphic design and posting things and whatnot, which, you know, I probably should be doing less of and more of the other things. But, you know, somebody it would have been nice to have somebody sit me down and say, this is your personality. These are the things that you really love to do. And don't waste your time on this other stuff because it's not going to be fulfilling for you. I think what's great about a career coach as well is that they have their finger on the pulse of the industry today. So it, they're the ones that would be able to help you see that, you know what, 10 years from now, if you learn how to speak French because of the growing economy in Africa, you are more likely to be able to get an international business role and do well. Or the, the they're the ones that will have a pulse on where certain industries will be 10 years from now, and maybe even jobs that you may not have thought of. Yep. I mean, I'll, I certainly didn't know about all 100 jobs that I wrote about. Um, and that's just 100, right? That's just 100. <laughs> There's so many more than that. Yeah. You know, when I was, um, I'm, I'm grateful for my non-teaching experience I had in the corporate world before I came to the classroom, because I'm able to now expose my kids to different concepts based upon my own experiences um my my background was in retail and i was an assistant buyer and you know 23 years old co-managing a, a 12 million dollar business at when i fresh out of college um and i was an economics major and a business major in college so i'm able to apply business principles um in my algebra course based upon economic concepts and supply and demand and all these things mm -hmm. and, and so I'm, I'm grateful that you know i didn't just you know at least for me, I can't think for other educators, but that I had some real experiences I could bring so I can expose my kids to what type of opportunities there are out there, you know. And so, um, you know, to the point of, you know, to your point about, you know, with uh, educators and, ex and experiencing and helping them to explore uh, the more that, you know, educators can do to help them to get them, you know, to point them in the right direction is great combined with uh, career coaches as well, I think is a really, really great opportunity for for parents to discover what's out there because I think there's so there's so many careers we haven't even heard of yet and mm -hmm. you know think about how many were not even there 10 20 years ago that are there and I have a friend who's a social media influencer and he's banking I mean sure he's is. straight up it's sick and you know I'm like and, you know I never would have thought you know we're, we're, we're podcasters now you know when I would have I could never imagine myself being a podcaster you know 20 years well, it ago wasn't a thing it wasn't a thing right and so but you know, you know, I love to talk. So this you is this did. is right this up my alley. For you. <laughs> <laughs> I was made for this, <laughs> you know. But it is great though. So Holly, I was I had a question in here. I was going to say if you were going to do a follow up book, what would it be? And then you said you're actually writing a book. So what what can you tell us anything about that? Sure. So as I was writing this book and started interacting with children and and kind of getting an idea of what were their favorite stories and 
I was hearing a lot of feedback about how much kids loved the kids in my book. So there's probably five of them. So out of the hundred, five out of 95, um, we're getting a lot of, a little bit more attention on social media. And I was getting really great feedback from kids and got to thinking about this, you know, three-step process and the thing where I felt like I could do more to give back to teachers and parents was on that third step. What can I do to start taking action today? So I decided to write my next book all about kids who are taking action before high school graduation. That's and awesome. I really want this to be a way to inspire kids to see that, you know, if you're interested in math, you don't have to wait to study math in college or you know, there's things that you can do to start embracing your love of math today and it'll be 50 stories of kids who took action before they graduated uh, i will have a crowdfunding campaign for it this summer and hopefully it will be a, a great um, back to school campaign and it will be on shelves early next year all right you heard it here that's exciting and we we actually did a show about kid entrepreneurs and kids are doing so many, I mean, uh, they have the kind of brains or their brains are, are wired in a way that they sometimes are able to think more out of the box than we are mm -hmm. as adults. So there's just so much potential for kids to, um, to invent things and, and do things even as, um, as young kids. Yeah, they're just not afraid. They, they don't that have too. the same fear of failure that we tend to build into ourselves as we get older, that we're going to look silly or someone's going to think a certain way about us that kids just kind of dive in. And, and I, I think that's wonderful. And I look forward to sharing a lot of those stories with people. Yeah, we look forward to that too. So how do we find your book and your curriculum and all of those things? Everything can be found at dreamitanddoitkids.com. So whether you're looking for coaching or for teaching, uh, the teaching curriculum or just to find my book or my crowdfunding campaign, Everything's right there. All right. Okay. And the most important question <laughs> is if you have to create another Cheesecake Factory flavor that is not already out there, what would it be? I feel like it would have to be something really playful. Um, so maybe like a s'mores or um, a like an orange sickle dream, mm. something that's, I, I really, we have enough peanut butter and chocolate ice cream in the, the freezer right. section. So I'd want to like make something that's super fun and like a, maybe a Superman cheesecake, Ooh. just something really fun and playful. I don't know what that is, but it just sounds good. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Holly. Well, this has been fun. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your being here. Thank you so much. This really, like, I can't believe it's already been an hour. This Yay! is great. We love it when we hear that. That means you weren't <laughs> bored at all. <laughs> So Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of school dates, so we always want to let you know what's going on with Noggin. We're currently taking applications for two of our programs. Noggin offers 12 hours of free private tutoring to students through our educational coaching program. Also, through our ARD advocacy program, parents receive support in securing services and accommodations their kids need at school for learning disabilities or special needs. With the closure of schools and distance learning, the education gap for low-income students has widened and the one-on-one -on -one intervention we provide is vital. See our website, nogginfoundation.org, or email me at Donita, D-O-N-E-D-A, at noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org for more details. Also, mark your calendars for our May new episode drop dates. May 12th, we'll drop an episode for parents who are new to the special education program. David and I will sit down with three moms who have children with special needs or learning disabilities and kind of a mom takeover. Their kids have been in the SPED program at their schools for many years, and they're going to share tips and wisdom about how to navigate and get what your child needs at school. 
Also on May 26th, we will drop episode 90. We're almost at 100. That's crazy. I know. I was afraid we wouldn't even be able to get 52 that first year. Um, episode 90 is about college admissions, and we've invited Dr. Shamassian from Shamassian Academic Consulting, who's an expert in advising parents and students on taking the necessary steps to get into college. So make sure you subscribe to School Days to help for moms and dads of school-age kids on any podcast platform so you don't miss any of our episodes each month. And also head to our website, schooldazedshow.com, for more information about all that we're doing and all of the resources we mentioned here on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, we always want to end our show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you'd like to know more about that, please feel to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.